wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, September 17th, 2020. Graham, Jesus, and Matthews here, as always, being joined by the illustrious, the one, the only, not Ricochet, but rather Mr. Marceau, RJ. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to the show, as always, brother. Thanks for having me back. Doing great after that amazing episode of Dynamite last night. <laughs> Listen, I know we're saying that sarcastically. It was a really great show. We'll get into the the good, the bad. I can't really say there was much ugly. I thought it was a really good show overall. Um, and I even said in my own review, one of my favorite episodes of Dynamite all year was that main event, the greatest main event I've ever seen. We'll get into it. The Best Friends parking lot main event, uh, parking lot brawl main event with Santana and Ortiz. That's coming up a little later on in the show here today. Um, it's quite the good week to be a professional wrestling fan between what we're going to be talking about here today with Raw, NXT, and Dynamite. Raw was what it was. I didn't think it was a terrible show. Um, it was kind of meant to be... The season premiere, which is what they've called it before, which I fucking hate because there's no season premiere. I, you've asked me this question before. What's the season premiere shit? Not this year because they didn't do it, but like there, there is no seasons. for There are no seasons for Monday Night Raw. Thankfully, they didn't call it that this week. Instead, they called it the In Your Face edition of Raw, and I have no idea why. Don't even ask. But uh, they kind of built it up with a lot of major matches. Some delivered. Some didn't. We'll get into it. Um, NXT, I thought, was a great show. Dynamite was equally entertaining. Two great shows on Wednesday night. How much longer will the Wednesday night wars last? Well, that's the question. NXT, Tuesdays, Thursdays. I don't know if we've discussed this yet, RJ, but before we go any further with anything else, before I forget, would you like to see NXT moved to a different night of the week uh, to not combat Dynamite anymore, considering Dynamite has gotten the better of NXT almost every week in the last year? I mean, for a fan perspective, I'd like it more, so I'm not flip-flopping or... I have to watch both shows back to back and stay up late. I'd, I'd rather be on different nights. I feel like WWE or Vince, just, they'd rather they'd rather have worse numbers on Wednesday just to affect AEW. So, I mean, I think even though they had better better ratings on Tuesday nights, I just feel like they're not going to change. But I think for the fans that like both products, it'd, it'd definitely benefit for having them on two separate nights. I think they will. I think if the ratings get bad enough for NXT, they probably will at some point. Maybe not in the next couple of months. I feel like they will by the time 2021 rolls around, but that's purely my own, you know, speculation. We'll see. Um, but still, you know, I think having it on another night would be great. I enjoyed having Dynamite on a Wednesday and then being done by 10 p.m. thinking, holy shit, like the show's already over. I don't have to watch NXT now or watch Dynamite after already watching NXT. I'm up until like midnight every fucking, I mean, I'm, I'm late usually anyway, but like watching a four hour wrestling show isn't ideal. Although both shows were great yesterday. Uh, do you have a preference between Tuesdays and Thursdays? Those, those seem to be the most popular choices. Um, I would say Thursday, but that's the old like SmackDown on Thursday fan in me. Um, I don't really have a preference. I'd probably say Tuesday night. Usually there's football on Thursday nights so that might distract me. 
uh, from watching NXT, but I'd probably say Tuesday night. Did you catch the games on Monday? Or one was already in progress by the time Raw started, I think, and the other one was already earlier on in the day, right? Yeah, the first one was on at 7, so I watched that one until 8, watched Raw, and then I watched the beginning of the other game at 10. So what were the two games again? It was, uh, the first game was the Giants and the Steelers were at 7, and then the Broncos and Titans were on at 10. All right, all right. So how's the start to the football season going so far? Well, I thought it was pretty good. I thought all the games were at least, from ones I watched, were pretty competitive. So I thought it was a pretty good first week. I mean, no crowd's kind of weird, but they're like pumping in, I think it's like 70 decimals of fake crowd noise. So at least it sounds like a little bit, but. Um, I know some. I know I saw a, a statistic or like a a graphic that like a lot of teams will start the first week. They were kind of holding off, I think, just because they didn't, they probably wanted to get policies in place first. But it seems like all the teams starting either next week or their next home game will have like ten percent or twenty percent capacity. So I'll get some crowd in there and uh, probably be a little bit different. But that's the only thing I think I could take away. I thought the games were good. Just the crowd noise is kind of weird. Interesting. So at this point, from what you've seen, before we get back to the wrestling stuff, which sport that you've seen do you think has done the best job of um, having virtual fans pumping in crowd noise? From what I've seen, I would say basketball. I would say the NBA. But what would say? Uh, what would you say? Yeah, I feel like the NBA has done the best with dressing it up. At least I think the NHL did good as well. Like they did a lot of like banners and TV monitors, kind of like putting in the crowd it doesn't feel as weird i don't know football's different it's like they don't really show the crowd that often during a regular game so it's not like in hockey and basketball like you see the crowd a lot in the games because they're kind of in the background for football it's mostly just a field so i feel like nba and nhl they've done good dressing up like the front of the stand so you it doesn't seem as like isn't you're not seeing empty seats but for the nfl you really don't they don't really show that often so i wouldn't even say that's really a big thing for them it's more just like the actual noise itself but I think NBA's done good with, like, the virtual – they've got, like, the video board with, like, their virtual fans on the side, which is pretty neat. And the NHL's done something similar. But I think they're all – for for kind of, like, last minute or quick thinking, I think they've all done pretty well with uh, what's going on. Yeah, like I said, from what I've seen, it seems like they're coming across fairly well, which is nice. Um, but I mentioned that it's a good week for wrestling in addition to what we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, Monday actually marked the return of Ring of Honor TV. They haven't run TV since March. And NXT UK is coming back today as well. So slowly but surely, we're not getting back to normal per se. It's going to be a while, I feel like, until we're back to normal, normal. But more promotions, running shows, which is cool. Um, I don't know how many fans were in addition or in attendance, rather, for Dynamite last night. I didn't see a bunch. I didn't hear a lot. I only saw wrestlers in the audience whenever they cut to the crowd. So there probably were people there. I didn't hear a lot. Um, and the Thunderdome continues to come off fairly well. It's far from a perfect product it's far from a you know a, an a-plus experiment but so far it's definitely helping the shows now we're, i mean i'll ask you right now we're a couple of weeks in mr marceau has the thunderdome enhanced your enjoyment of the shows more than when they were in the performance center in front of like the glass panels i know nxt continues to do that which you know is hit or miss most weeks i thought last week they came across well usually though i prefer the thunderdome over what they were doing previously yeah i enjoy the thunderdome content i just don't care for the nxt like banging on the glass and then just not that it's like low rent but it just doesn't look i'd rather see the screens of people like a ton of people than just like six or seven wrestlers in front of a glass who's like banging on it i don't know i don't really like that visual so i've, I've enjoyed the thunderdome i know that they've been it's not them really making the noise they're definitely pumping in that crowd noise because they're not gonna let 
live mics to wrestling fans. I can only imagine what the hell they're going to say, but <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I think it's it's made it more lively. It's not so kind of dead in the arena. I think I think the switch to the Thunderdome has definitely improved the product, I thought, at least a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The shows are far from must-see. SmackDown has certainly improved, not just because of the Thunderdome, but because of the creative direction they've been taking in recent weeks. Um, Raw is still kind of on the, you know, it's not terrible, I would say. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the worst product on TV. The same way that AEW is not the best product on TV. Neither is NXT or whatever. I guess that's obviously all subjective, but... Um, I thought Raw this week was a solid show. Before we get to it, real quick, people can find you on the Twitter machine, Mr. Marceau, at RJ underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. New episodes of the show go up every single Thursday, not only on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Uh, we're going to be here on the show next week doing predictions for the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. We're already well into the month of uh, September here, well past the midway mark in the month of September. Uh, the Clash of Champions coming up next Sunday. And then I think we have a new all-new TakeOver special coming up October 4th, which I might be seeing you for. That's still in the works. We'll find out. That's coming up in early October. We have the anniversary edition of Dynamite coming up in mid-October, which I think is October 14th. And then we have Hell in the Cell bumped from November 1st to October 25th, if I'm not mistaken. So of all the things coming up in the next couple of weeks, Mr. Marceau, uh, what would you say you're the most excited for, looking forward to as of right now? Um, that's pretty tough one. It gets throwing me on my toes. I don't know. Clash, <laughs> Champion, Clash Champions Gold Rush. Make sure you get the right tagline in there. Of course, there. of course. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it should be a decent show. I mean, I'm not, like, clamoring for it. I just think it should. Those shows are always usually pretty decent. You usually have a couple good matches. Nothing over the top. I think that should be a good show. Probably the Dynamite Anniversary show. I feel like they've already advertised a lot for it. Even though I have a ton of issues with the product itself, I, I, I also always enjoy watching the show most times. I obviously always bitch about it. But it's more the fact that I just like want it to be different than WWE, and I feel like they keep taking WWE like routes and things that I just don't like. But I think I've always looked forward to their shows, and from what they've advertised already, it should be a pretty good show. Yeah, it should be a pretty big episode, and they've been delivering some great content lately. Um, the all-out pay-per-view aside, which we weren't overly fond of, but I thought this week's show was great, NXT was great. We'll get to Raw first. We'll start at the beginning and work our way towards to present time. Uh, starting with Raw on Monday, the show kicked off with WWE Champion Drew McIntyre challenging Randy Orton to a ambulance match at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. Now, McIntyre and Orton were already set to go one-on-one. Orton won that triple threat match on Raw two weeks ago to become the, I would say, new number one contender, but he already had a title shot at SummerSlam, so to reestablish his spot as the number one contender. Um, But now it might be an ambulance match, and we've seen a lot of ambulances on WWE TV in the last couple of months, it feels like. Um, It's going to be culminating in an ambulance match at the pay-per-view. I know there's one ambulance match, Mr. Marceau, that you're very fond of between... (laughs) Shane McMahon and Kane from Survivor Series 03, correct? Yeah, I was just about to bring it up. One of my favorite matches. <laughs> so, all right. I enjoyed the match. It's a very good match. Overall, though, I do not like the ambulance match concept. I haven't seen an ambulance match, from what I can recall, that I thought was like overly terrible. I know I've seen a few in the last couple of years between John Cena and Kane had one. which that, So they had one. Cena and Ryback had one. And then Kane, I'm uh, not Kane, I'm sorry, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns had one of the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view a few years ago. That's like three in the span of maybe a decade or so 
in WWE. Um, none of them were remotely memorable. I mean, they were memorable enough for me to remember them, of course, but like in the sense that, oh, they were these all-time classic matches. I feel like just the match is a crutch. Oh, and Ambrose and Wyatt had one too, I believe on Raw or something like that. So they, there's been a handful in the last couple of years. I'm not overly in love with the concept. I did like the Shane and Kane one. You're very partial to that. One of your favorite matches of all time is a mini Marceau. Um, I can't say if we do end up getting Orton and McIntyre, which it looks like we will, and we'll talk about Keith Lee in a little bit. I just can't say that this enhances my interest in the feud that much at all. No, I completely agree. I, I, I that Besides that one with Shane and Kane, which I think they had the right setup. They went through the last man standing from uh, Unforgiven that year and then led into the ambulance match. And I just, I think it was just different the way that they had that one set up. They kind of, Start like they started in the ring. They went to the parking lot. They came back to the ring. He was a set a little bit, and then it kind of ended with the ambulance. And they had a couple good spots. I just I don't know. I feel like it's not, like you said. Not that it's a crutch, but just kind of the same. The last few years, the same kind of format for these kind of matches, and it's just kind of boring. And I just mm-hmm. don't even. This match really needs the stipulation. I, I understand they've been at each other's throat, but an ambulance match, I don't know. It's not the most, like you said, it's not the most exciting match. They haven't really had a good track record recently with these matches, so we'll see what happens. It just, in the direction they're going with Keith Lee as well, so it's like, what, what are they going to do with him? And I feel like Retribution might get involved. I don't know. I just, I, I, I fear that, I don't get my hopes up because I feel like I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not getting my hopes up, but <clears throat> like you just kind of mentioned it there, I don't think the match needs a stipulation. Now, I know it's like a blood feud at this point. They've done the three Claymore kicks, the three punt kicks, which were ridiculous. Um, but Hell in the Cell is literally right around the corner. And not that this is a match that I'm dying to see inside Hell in the Cell, but it would make sense. Um, I don't know if you have this match end in a DQ at the pay-per-view. I don't know if I want to see that. But like, I feel like the match at SummerSlam was entertaining enough, it was strong enough, to warrant not having the stipulation. Like, it depends on the stipulation. If it's a if it's a no-holds-barred match, or falls count anywhere, which I guess we've already seen a ton of recently, then I would be open to it. But in the ambulance match, there's no pinfalls, there's no submissions. I don't know, I feel like I like the stretcher match finish a little bit more. I like the stretcher match, that concept, I feel like that's a little bit more intriguing. We don't really see nearly enough of those matches. This company has an odd obsession with the ambulance matches for some reason. And they're just never overly exciting. Because like you said, the layout is a bit dull. Um, the more you see of them, the more dull it becomes. Maybe the Kane and Shane one was so good because it hadn't really been done that much at all. And I mean, I think before that, I can't think of a single ambulance match that we've had in WWE before the Kane and Shane one. And maybe there was one that I'm just not thinking of. I just don't know. Yeah, it's the only one I could... That's the first one I I mean, I would start watching in you know, 2 That's the only one I can remember. I haven't gone back as far as you have rewatching old content, but that's the only one I could think of. But no, I do like the stretcher match concept. I really did enjoy. Uh, I think it was Judgment Day 03, Brock and uh, Big Show in a stretcher match. I yep. believe that was a show. that yeah, was, a, that so, was a really good match. I, they put some different unique things in there. Brock showed off his athleticism a little bit and his power. I thought it was just a really good match. I mean, before that, I, did, I couldn't tell you the last time I had a stretcher match. I know, like. In the uh, build-up, they showed, like, old, old footage, like, back in, like, the 60s of, like, old stretcher matches to kind of, like, build it up as, like, a brutal match. And I, I thought they delivered. Um, but, yeah, the whole ambulance match kind of trope. Uh, it's just kind of foolish, just, like, Drew McIntyre coming out in the ambulance. Like, what, are you just rent an ambulance for the night? I don't know. <laughs> I know. That, that's just kind of hokey in wrestling that I don't really like. 
just kind of weird. It's like, oh, Drew just uh, drove to the uh, St. Louis Police Department and barred an ambulance. Like, mm-hmm. why? Or, so, or he was in the ambulance the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? But eh, we'll see what happens. I'm just not overly excited for the stipulation. So I'll bring this up now. We saw in the main event this week, Drew McIntyre battle Keith Lee for the first time ever one-on-one in WWE. Um, and it was a good match. It got interrupted by Retribution, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, it obviously could have reached that next gear. was far from this amazing main event that you would expect from a Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. It was good, far from great. The point is, is that the stipulation was, had Keith Lee won, then he would have entered... Now, I, I don't know if he would have earned entry into the WWE title match at the pay-per-view. They made it sound like he would be next up for a title shot. Not like after Clash of Champions, but at the pay-per-view itself, if Orton couldn't go. And obviously he's going to be able to go, because why else would they announce the ambulance match stipulation? So it was weird. It's like he would earn the right to go for the belt if Orton couldn't go, which we know that he will, so what's even the point? But the odd thing was that Keith Lee never lost. The match, I believe, ended in a no contest officially, with uh, Retribution getting involved, and the Hurt Business came out, and it was a whole mess to end the show. Where do you see Keith Lee factoring into this whole thing? Now, we've seen like three-way feuds before, where it's like two people... And then there's like not an alternate, but someone that feuds with the two people going into a pay-per-view. Like when I think, I think of Kurt Angle, for example, I know we're going way back here, but Kurt Angle in the Rock and Austin feud going into WrestleMania 17, I think Angle was feuding with um, the Rock and Rock beat him at the No Way Out pay-per-view. He beat up Stone Cold's wife. You would think that he would be in the match at WrestleMania, but he he ended up facing Chris Benoit instead. So kind of like that type of thing and then he was kind of dropped from the feud after a certain point, I fear that we might be headed in a similar similar direction with Keith Lee, where if he's not in the match at the pay-per-view, which they make it sound like he won't be, then where do you go from here with Keith Lee, having already reached the mountaintop to a certain extent, and now the only place for him to go down, uh, the only place for him to go here is down? Yeah, it's kind of weird, like you said. I just, it's like, the issue I have with it is that Drew and, Randy have had been feuding for months, and then they kind of implemented Keith into the feud now, where most people that are watching regularly, they're like, okay, it's Drew and Randy, or okay, I guess I'm putting Keith in, but I feel like he's going to get left out, and then just like, it's like inviting a third person to a dance, it's like, you're going to have the two people dancing, and then this other person might get involved, but like, it's still mainly about the first two people, I feel like that's what the issue is, it's like, it's mostly between Drew and Randy, but then they kind of sprinkled Keith in there a little bit. Now, he's involved, but, like, I don't think he's, like, in the end planned. So, it's kind of, he's in a weird situation. I'm not sure exactly what you do with him. If he's not in this title match, I, don't, I really don't know what else to run. Maybe, maybe Seth, but it'd be completely random, especially now that he's intertwined in this feud with Drew and Randy. Him and Drew kind of brawled throughout the night. Um, so, that was kind of weird. And then the way it ended, they are kind of on the same page again against Retribution, but... I don't know. I, I feel I feel for Keith a little bit. I think he might get lost in the shuffle here. Any more thoughts on retribution and where this thing might be going? At this point, I honestly I don't know, and I don't care. It's getting to the point. It just we get it. I really don't get their motive of why they're doing this. They really haven't said anything. They just kind of get involved in anything. I just I just don't think it's gonna like. There's no end game, so I feel like it's not gonna pan out correctly and. I just, I just don't care at this point, honestly. Yeah, who could possibly give a shit? I mean, I'm not really sure many people care to begin with, but they've really toned it down from ripping up the ring ropes with a chainsaw to doing absolutely nothing. Now they just fucking flicker the lights like it's uh, 
um, that that episode of SpongeBob where where Nosferatu pops up and it's that fucking I, I it's the uh, God the the fucking spatula episode. I don't know what it is. I'm going off here about SpongeBob, but that's what it reminded me of. And just the group just has zero credibility whatsoever. And I just could not care less about it at this point. Um, so less spent on retribution, the better. There really is no update on the group who might be behind it. It's obviously Dominic Dijakovic, Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, and a few other people. Um, I just don't really know. I, I just don't really care, to be honest with you. So anyway, moving on. Um, also from Raw, we'll get to this right away. You got a lot of thoughts on this, Mr. Marceau. I'll give you the floor here. Seth Rollins, Dominic Mysterio, another very good match, this time inside the steel cage. And uh, Rollins ended up going over, picking up the victory. A third straight loss for Dominic. I can't say third straight loss because he beat Murphy last week, but third straight loss to Seth Rollins. And so they had Aaliyah go up to Murphy, which WWE acknowledged. There's been a lot of speculation on your end, among other people, where this might be going. Um, Where do you think it's going? What's next for Dominic Mysterio? To ask you your own question after you asked me on Wednesday's hashtag SGSM. So, I mean... I just feel like there has to, not that I, I definitely want this to happen, but I feel like them having the whole family on, like it's definitely, I would think the way that they think is teasing some kind of involvement down the line. What I would have had happen if they're going to do anything with Aaliyah, I would have had her help Rollins win the match and basically been like, all oh, you guys care about him. Fuck you. Like, I'm talented. I don't know if she's training or not, but like I said, why do they keep having the family? Like, they don't need the family out there every time the kid wrestles. I mean, I think there has to be some end game to it. So I would have had her cost Dominic the match and then align with Seth in some way. Like I said, I don't know if she's training or not, but if they're going to go with her involved in anything, that's what I initially would have done because she can be like, all you guys cared about was Dominic your whole life. Now that he's wrestling, you guys have put all your focus into him. Like, what about me? Da 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 da. Like, I feel like that could have worked. Um, but I, I, like I said, I right when I saw it, I, right when she like acknowledged Murphy on the ground and then like went up, I'm like, okay, that was kind of weird. They normally wouldn't do that. And then they acknowledged it on Twitter. So I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly where it's going to go with, but I think there's some kind of end game that they'll, they're, they're, the family's still around for some reason. I, I, I think it was cool the first time they had them like, oh, we're coming to support Dominic. Okay, cool. But they've been on Raw the last like two to three weeks. I'm like, okay, there's got to be something more than just them showing up to support him. No, so I haven't minded that they're on Raw. Um, they're probably there might be more to it. I I don't know. I just feel like they like the visual of the family together at SummerSlam, and they've kind of carried it on since then, which to me is fine. Um, just because you know, I, the, the, obviously Dominic's still feuding with Seth or was. Is it safe to say that that feud is over now that he's lost three times to the guy? I would say so. Um, maybe they can milk one more out of it just to get what I just discussed happen. Um, but besides that, I, I don't think there's really any need for it. I just, it's just killed. It's like done to death at this point. Like we know he lost the Rollins multiple times. Just move on at this point. But if they're going to do any kind of screwiness, I mean, it makes sense. Like I said, if they're going to have her align with anyone, I would say do it with Seth. But like I said, I don't even know if she's trained or kind of anything. I just think there's more of an end game than we think there's, they're leading on to. And also, with that being said, if they don't go in that direction, what do you think they should do with Dominic? Does he stick around on Raw? Does he go back to NXT? Does he disappear like a game Velasquez? What do you do with Dominic going forward? Um, It's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what you do with Dominic. I know you said on hashtag go back to NXT. 
Oh, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't think they'd do that. I think we're, with Ray still, uh, with Ray still around, I just don't think they'd do that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think they'll stay on regular TV. Maybe they'll move them to SmackDown, like a new fresh look in the draft, maybe. But I, I don't see him going back down to NXT. Yeah, we'll see. I feel like he's good enough, but it's going to reach a certain point where he needs to progress, and I don't know if he's going to get that progression on the main roster. A lot like Austin Theory. I felt like they called him up way too soon. This is obviously a different thing just because Dominic's new. He has the story with Seth and whatever, um, but they got to move past this. They've been doing the Seth Ray stuff since May, and it's been great. Don't get me wrong. It's been a really good feud by and large, but they got to move past it at some point. I feel like now would be the time. Um, Street Profits beat Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura on Monday's Raw non-title action. Is that the last time that we see the two teams go up against each other, RJ? Are they building to a rematch, maybe on a SmackDown, and they can tell the story, hey, the Street Profits won on Raw because it's their turf. Cesaro and Nakamura went on SmackDown. Boom, unification match at the pay-per-view, which is coming up pretty quickly, so I'm not really sure they have time for this. Um, but was that a one-and-done, or do you think there's more to this? I think there's more to it. I, I'd be very surprised if it was a one-and-done. I like the tag team divisions, having own separate divisions. They still have enough teams at this point. And, I mean, at this point, now that they're at the PC, I would just, I would just, or at the Thunderdome, they're still all in Orlando. I would just merge the belts at this point. It just, there's no reason to have two tag belts when there's literally no challengers for either team and they're just basically facing each other. So, um, I would, I would unify the belts at this point. But, uh, yeah, I would say maybe. Like you said, have them face them on SmackDown. They win. They do the unification at Clash of Champions. I just don't know if that really will help the tag team division in the end. Even if with one tag team championship, I, I still think they still lack a lot of teams. So I think it, it'll help a little bit, but they still need way more teams to like just make their division somewhat interesting. No, 100%. It wouldn't solve all their problems. It would just be a nice step in the right direction, as you mentioned. They still need more teams regardless. I mean, dude, we had one set of tag titles 10 years ago um, before they officially dismissed that initial brand split. I think they unified them in early 09 when uh, Primo and uh, Epico, not Epico, uh, Carlito. Carlito and Primo beat Miz and Morrison. I think it was a WrestleMania 25. The division still sucked. I mean, they only they still had two brands at that point, but even with one set of tag team champions, the division was really not that much better off. They had a few teams. They broke up Miz and Morrison. They broke up Carlito and Primo soon after. They didn't really have a lot of teams back then, and they don't now. It's kind of the same thing. It goes through peaks and valleys, even in 2020, all these years later. Um, tag team wrestling, unlike an AEW, really isn't WWE's strong suit. Um, but nonetheless, speaking of titles... Nikki James vied for the Raw Women's Championship on Monday's Raw against Asuka. I honestly thought it was a good match overall. I saw a lot of hate for the match. And down the down the stretch, it just fucking fell apart. I thought early on it was a good match, though. I obviously wouldn't put it on the same level as their TakeOver match from four years ago. I thought it was good overall until Nikki James hit the chick kick, or attempted to, and she completely missed. And then Asuka sold it anyway. That was terrible. Um, Mickey probably shouldn't have missed, or maybe the timing was off, whatever, but Asuka should not have fucking sold that. That was stupid. And then the finish, so I believe what happened here, the finish felt abrupt. Although Asuka did have her finisher in, it looked like something was wrong because we never heard we never heard Mickey submit, we never saw her tap out. I think we did. I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. 
but I thought the belief was that she was injured. Now the belief coming out of a, a report from PW Insider was that she was just selling really, really well, and she's not actually injured, which, if true, is good news. Nonetheless, though, Asuka won clean. It looks like that's it for Mickie James in the title picture. That sucks, but now they're moving on to someone bigger and better, and obviously you were the contender in Selena Vega. I mean, you got to be excited for this, Mr. Marceau, right? I actually don't hate it as bad as you do. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate this, but go on as to why you don't hate it. No, I, I th- I'll just go over the match first. That was a good match. Like you said, that chick kick, I think, not that it happens a lot, but she does miss it a lot, and people do sell it, which is not a good look. I think she might need to just lose it. Because this, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the way that she does it, the twisting motion, and just people just think it's coming quicker than it is. I feel like she's missing a lot, and people still sell for it. So that definitely was a down, definitely a downer for me. And then, like you said, the the finish was weird. I, I don't think I ever saw her tap. You didn't hear her verbally tap. Because right when she, like, the referee called for the bell and she flipped over, like, she kind of gave, like, the what the fuck face, like, what's going on. Um, but like you said, maybe she was selling good and the ref thought she was actually hurt. But I thought it was a good match. I, I, I wouldn't say this was – this is not the – like, this is just filler, and clearly that's the in a Vega. I really like Vega. Obviously, she's done nothing to deserve help, but – I mean, it is what it is. So, I get that she's a fresh face in the title picture, but I would just rather see someone like a Bianca Belair. Natalia bores me to tears. I'm not really sure what would be worse between Natalia and, and Zelina. And I know that sounds like an easy answer. Obviously, Zelina would be better. I just don't think she's very good in the ring, though. Like, I know we haven't seen a ton of her. She was a regular in TNA like a decade ago, a long time ago. But she wasn't that very good then either. So, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. If anyone can get a good match out of her, it would be Asuka. I'm just not sold on this idea. Obviously, because it comes out of nowhere, she's done nothing to deserve it. Bianca Belair has been undefeated the entire time she's been on Raw, and just apparently doesn't want the Raw Women's Championship. I'm not really sure why, why she wouldn't be out there. She's beaten Zelina Vega multiple times. Again, why the fuck they wouldn't put her in that spot? I don't know. I get, listen, I'm one of those people that likes to see a build for some things. I would have rather seen Mickey and and Asuka saved for the pay-per-view, not just giving away on Raw for free for no reason. That I thought was silly. I don't know, the Zelina-Asuka match, I would just rather see on Raw. Maybe she blows me away and has this amazing performance. But I think overall, though, most importantly, I think it's a dumb decision to break her away from Andrade and Angel Garza. There are some reports now that she might be breaking away, and that I, 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 you know, I think Meltzer speculated it would be a lot like Lana and Rusev when they tried Lana on her own a couple of years ago. And that failed miserably. Um, I don't know if this would be as bad because Zelina is better than Lana. But as he had said as well, and I'm not a, you know, a, I don't think everything Melter says is gospel, but he made a great point. Zelina, while better than Lana, is still a much better manager than she is a wrestler. I feel like to break her away from an Andrade and uh, Garza, specifically Andrade, Garza can do well on his own. We've seen that. Andrade is the one I fear for. Uh, so hopefully those reports aren't true. We don't really know for a fact that she's done with them, that she cemented her split from those two. She made it sound like it in her promo on Raw this week. That's what kind of worries me. But that being said, though, what are your thoughts on Zelina Vega breaking away from Andrade and Garza? Is this a, a an official split, RJ, or where do we go from here with Vega, Andrade, and Garza? Um, it's interesting. I like Vega on her own. I think she is a great manager, especially for Andrade. I think she adds a lot to him, um, just because his English isn't the greatest. And I think she's a good heel manager, gets involved when necessary, tries her best to help her. Um, 
tries their best to move, like, help him out. Like, like a heel manager should. Get involved when necessary. Try to screw over the baby face, and you want to hate her. I think she's great. Um, she's great as a heel manager. I think um, she's done great in that role since she was brought in NXT. I think she's been great with Andrade on the Raw. And I don't think Garza really needs her. I think he's good on his own. But, um, no, I really enjoy her as a, a pair of his kind of act. But on his own, I fear for the guy a lot. I just, I just, I just don't know. I you'd break them up. I think she he needs her more than she needs him, which is kind of weird as well. I think she could thrive on her own, but I think he really needs her. I feel like he felt flat before he had her in NXT, and basically she's helped him the whole way. So we'll see what happens. I think she's definitely a lot better option than Lana by her own. I think she's a, gr- a good wrestler. I think Lana's just terrible. So at least this has some footing. I just think you should have built her up a little bit more before just pushing her immediately to the title picture. Maybe they're doing this now. Maybe she has a good showing, and then you can transfer her to SmackDown in the draft and focus her as more of a single star. So coming off a good loss to Asuka, then go to SmackDown and build some traction there. But I, I would rather see her with Andrade. Even if she's doing her own single stuff, I would still want her... Um, to be managing Andrade, unfortunately. Do you think it's a situation where on an upcoming episode of Raw, a lot like Billy Kane, Peyton Royce, where they do the Andrade Garza match as a one-off on Raw, one of them wins, and then that's it? Do you think they might drag this out, give them a pay-per-view match, or do we see a one-and-done, one of them loses, fades off into obscurity like a Billy Kay, which I'm, and she hasn't yet, but I'm sure it's inevitable. Um, what do you think happens with those two specifically? Um... It's. I think it's a little bit different. I, I just. I think Billy Kay and Payne, especially for the women's division, they could have really milked out that feud and actually got not. I wouldn't say it's drawn money, but at least it draw some interest since they've been teaming for so long and they kind of have a backstory and they could kind of get a little dirty and like you. You always held me down. Yada yada yada. They could have done that. But they just kind of blew it away on Raw. And obviously, both weren't on the show this week. At least I don't remember seeing either of them. Nope. With Andrade and Garza. They've only been teaming for a few months. So I, I don't see it needing to be a big big program. I mean, I thought they'd win the tag team championships, then losing the Dominic and Ray on the line. Ray's hurt now. Maybe that messed up the plans, and they just kind of lost that idea of them. But I, I, I could just see them blowing it off on Raw. And then, yeah, I fear for Andrade. I don't know. I think Garza, he has star written all over him. Great English. He's got... I think he's going to be a good babyface and a heel. I think he's got both vibes. Andrade, from what we've seen on NXT, he should just stick heel. But um, we'll see. But um, I fear for Andrade, honestly. I thought he had a great NXT little tenure. He's been pretty good on Raw. But, I don't know, it looks like they've kind of dropped the ball on him recently. Finally, on the Raw front, before we move on to NXT, uh, Bobby Lashley beat Eric of the Viking Raiders on Monday's Raw. Um, it's it's nice to see they're still using Eric, even with Ivar injured. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for, but I thought that was nice. Um, but what do you do with Bobby Lashley at Clash of Champions? Does he face Apollo Crews again? Do you do four-way, maybe? I don't know how much sense this would make because they're two partners, but could you do Lashley, Alexander, Cruz and Ricochet, what do you do with the United States Championship of Clash of Champions, since every title has to be defended? And it's called Gold Rush, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Which match was that again? Uh, the United States Championship. That's a tough one. I knew you were going to ask me that one, GSM. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, because it's kind of weird. It's like, the I like the Hurt Business, their heels. Now they're going after Retribution, which I like. 
Uh, maybe, like maybe Owens, I guess. I mean, who else would you really have him face? I know he's doing his thing with Alistair. Um, but I don't know. I just don't feel like there's really another baby face that's really ready for it. I mean, I guess it could just be a throwaway. He beat Eric on Raw, so I really want to make sense to face him again. Maybe Mustafa if he comes back and they can just make him job quick. But I don't know. Maybe Owens and then Black interferes and they keep that feud going. Um, whoever it is, Bobby Lashley's going to win. I really like Lashley as champion. Her business, definitely. I've enjoyed them as well. I think they've been great, especially recently. But, um, yeah, whoever it is, they're going to lose. So I'm not going to kill myself for this one. But I think <laughs> it's someone some jobber babyface they can just job out to Lashley yeah no I, I would assume so I think they might do Cruz and Lashley again which isn't the worst idea just because they had a good match of payback you gotta move on though if that's it if he wins Lashley wins you gotta move on they've been feuding with Cruz now the Hurt Business has for like three or four months so hopefully that's the end of that feud but yeah, I'm really digging the Hurt Business. There's really not a lot. Of, there's not a lot to say on them on this week. They attacked the Retribution, or re, they they attacked Retribution at the end of the show in what was a good show closing angle. Um, but I thought they came across great. I'm all in on on the Hurt Business. I think they've been doing great work since they kind of came together a, a number of months ago. And adding Cedric Alexander into the mix, as we said last week, was definitely for the better. Uh, on NXT, we'll go to NXT from Wednesday. I thought it was a very good show overall. Um, a lot like Dynamite, I honestly struggle to think of what to kind of choose which show was better. We don't really have to. We could just both say, you know, we could say both shows were great. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode on Wednesday, kicking it off with a great opener. I really thought this was an awesome match. Io Shirai, Shotzi Blackheart, a great showcase for not only Shirai, who we know is great. You're a big Shirai fan, RJ. Shotzi Blackheart, who has Shine by and large, since she came to NXT a year ago, easily her biggest breakout performance to date. And she honestly came close to winning on a few different occasions. It wasn't a uh, a slam dunk win for Shirai. Shotzi came close to winning a few different times. I thought this was great. Um, Dynamite and NXT both had great openings this week. And we'll talk about Dynamite a little later. But this was great. Shirai wins clean, and Shotzi will be a part of that number one contender's battle royale next week to determine the next challenger for Shirai's championship at the next TakeOver special in early October. So what were your thoughts, if you saw it, RJ, between Shirai and Blackheart, and who do you think is going to win the Battle Royal next week? No, I thought this was a great match. Um, I, I, Blackheart's starting to grow me a little bit. I don't love the whole little tank thing. I don't know, kind of silly to me, but part of her character, I guess I'll go with it. But no, I thought this was a good match. I, I never thought you was going to lose. I mean, they did do a good, uh, good suspense of Shotzi possibly winning, but I think Io... You know, keeping the belt, obviously, the right decision at this time. Um, challenging next for Shirai, I'm assuming they would do her and Rhea again. I think that makes the most sense. And then if she beats Rhea, Rhea can go up to the main roster. Um, but that's what I would do. Because um, besides that, I just... They have a stat division, but I just... I, I don't know. I feel like they need to build some more people to be more credible threats to uh, to EO. I, I like I like Candice. I like Tegan. Um, Tegan's already lost. Dakota's lost. I thought they were going to go back to Dakota. Didn't really do that. Um, is she not in that but, battle royal? I don't think I saw her. I don't, she might be in that battle royal, but I don't remember, though. Yeah, I don't remember the graphic. I think um, I think Gonzalez is in it, but um, it would be odd if she wasn't in it. I'm not exactly sure. I could see it definitely coming down to Rhea and Gonzalez, though, because they teased something a while ago, and then Rhea eliminates her, and then she wins. 
Yeah, that's what I'm going with. I think Rhea's going to be the one to face uh, Io next. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But they, yeah, they have a great division. We've said this for a while now. There's no one person, I think, that really stands out as being an obvious candidate to take that belt from Io. I wouldn't put the belt back on Rhea, although her reign... She never really had a real run with it. She only had it for a couple of months before losing it. You know, she beat Bianca. Um, she really didn't face a lot of people while she was champion before losing to Charlotte, which was, again, a complete fucking waste. But still, I, I you know, I, I don't know if I'd be upset if Rhea won. I just don't think she needs it. Because like you said, she should probably just be used on the main roster at this point. Candice and Tegan are two great choices, but they're currently busy with each other doing their own feud, which I like. So they're doing their own thing. They'll probably eliminate each other. Shotzi, they really built up in this match, which is great. Mercedes would have been a great option, but she's probably going to the main roster. So that kind of just leaves Rhea. Rhea loses. Where they go from there, I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out at some point in the not-too-distant future. But Tommaso Ciampa beat Desmond Troy, the former Denzel DeJornit, on Wednesday's NXT. Uh, pretty quick squash. We found out afterwards he's facing Jake Atlas next week, which I think is great. They're giving Atlas more some, you know, some more shine. Obviously, he's not going to win, but it's cool that the guy wasn't like, "Oh, I got my ass kicked." On to the next thing. Like, no, he actually wants to stand up for himself and fight Champa, whatever. Again, it should be fun, and I think Atlas is really good. But we also found out later on in the show after Atlas was attacked outside by Champa that Kyle O'Reilly stood up to Tommaso Champa. So, what's going on right now with Undisputed Era RJ? So we have O'Reilly seemingly go off on his own as a babyface. We have Cole, I guess, teasing a babyface turn. We're not really sure on that yet. And then we have Strong and Bobby Fish still acting like dicks in the tag team division. So what's going on with Undisputed Era? What's the future hold for them? And do you like the idea of a singles push for Kyle O'Reilly? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just... I think if there was no pandemic, they've been called up already. I know, I it just... I think it, it would have been more... They would have been called up already. I think now they're kind of waiting at this point maybe they're trying a little teaser see what the group can do on its own i like kyle riley i think i think he could do good on his own um I, I like the rest of the group as well but we'll see what happens here i think they're just kind of testing the waters they can kind of i mean knowing them they'll just like break not break them up but they'll do their own thing and then once they get called up they'll act like they're all good again um i mean i think that's how they should get called up as as a group because they're great together but no i like testing the waters a little bit on singles and different tag teams together because it's usually Fish and O'Reilly. Uh, now they have Strong with uh, Strong with Fish. So um, I like Kyle O'Reilly. I think he has a lot of potential to be on his own. They never, haven't really done that since he's been in NXT. So I'm definitely down for it. So, yeah, I think that's the problem, that I'm down for a singles push for O'Reilly, Cole doing his own thing, maybe a bit differently than how we've seen Cole portrayed in the past. I think they got to be called up as a group, though. I think that's my biggest issue with this whole thing, that – I, yeah, Cole's obviously the biggest, has the most potential of the four. O'Reilly is great, but the issue is that I, yeah, an NXT could be a North American champion, absolutely. If he gets called up on his own, I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot of faith that they call up Cole on his own. I feel like the only way these guys will find success, at least from the get-go, is if they go to the main roster together. Honestly, it's a lot like the Shield, I feel like where if Moxley or Ambrose, whatever, uh, Rollins, had gotten called up separately. Honestly, I know they were high on them initially, but I don't know if they would have become the big stars that they did had they not had the Shield. Roman probably would have, but the other two I'm not so sure about, and I could be completely wrong. But I feel like Undisputed Era, if you call up any one of those guys, whether it be in a tag team or separately, 
I feel like there's a very short shelf life there in terms of how WWE will treat them because they're not big guys. They're just really good wrestlers. And I feel like they really bring the best out of each other when they're together. So whether it's as baby faces or heels, preferably, I feel like it's it's almost imperative that they get called up together or risk floundering a lot like other factions like, I mean, I guess Sanity got called up together and floundered, but Undisputed Era has just way more potential than a lot of the call-ups they bring up, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. If, if they're doing it, if they're going to do it, they got to do it right and you got to come up together. I feel like it's just money lost on the table if you don't book them together on the main roster. Yeah, they made a lot of money in NXT, but there's still a lot left they can do together elsewhere in the company on Raw or SmackDown. Um, but also in NXT this week, we saw Kushida knock off Austin Theory in a good match. It looks like Kushida's headed for a match with Velveteen Dream at some point, I would assume, at the TakeOver show coming up in early October. Uh, what are your thoughts on the recent resurgence of Kushida? Is this his time for them to finally focus on him? He's been here for a year and a half now. It's about fucking time, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on the renewed push for Kushida on NXT and the likely feud of the Velveteen Dream? Um, I'm not a big Kushida guy, but I feel like they're starting to put some more time into him. I think once uh, Dexter Loomis got, got hurt, they need to start focusing on more people. Um, so I guess that's the kind of the direction they're going in. Um, not a huge... I mean, we haven't seen Velveteen Dream in a while either, so don't really care about him. The guy's a scumbag, so uh, <laughs> I just I just move on. I don't care for him, so we'll see what happens. I, I, I just, it's, it is what it is. I'm not a big fan either way. I mean, yeah, Dream's stock has just plummeted in the last couple of months, year, or whatever. I feel like at this point, as opposed to firing the guy, which if he was found guilty, I, I have no idea really. I wouldn't say outright fire the guy, but if they're going to keep him around... Um, I think the best thing to do, if they're not going to call him up, which he should have been called up a while ago, but in light of recent events, it might be for the better that he's not. Um, they might as well just use the guy to get over other people, whether it's a Bronson Reed or a Kushida or someone like that. That's probably the best role for him at this point because he's already been North American champion. He's already failed to win the NXT championship multiple times. Um, I don't really want to see that. They were teasing something with him and Dexter Loomis a while ago, but if Dream's going to be a heel, that's probably not happening, nor is that something I'm overly excited about. So I feel like this is a good role for both guys. Uh, Bruzango beat Imperium in a great match, in a much better match than we saw them in to win the belts, actually, a couple of weeks ago. I thought this was really fun uh, to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. Or Bruzango, they, they probably are just placeholder champions right before they lose it to uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. I would say so. I'm not a huge fan of theirs as well. Um, I think it's just like a nice uh, nice token to give them a championship run. The division's depleted just like the main roster. So, hey, throw these guys a bone. They've been they've been busting their ass for a while, so might as well just give them a little tag team run. But I think uh, Mendoza and Wilder, the ones that would take the belts off them, I just, I mean, after them, who who, who, who do they even face after they beat Brazongo? Presumably in a rematch, there's no one really left, so... Maybe the new resurgence of NXT UK. Maybe they can get some guys back over the pond, but I don't know. That tag team division needs some work. Any interest in seeing Zaya Lee um, as a heel now? Because listen, I know she's been booked like a not like a loser because she's been showcased in the past. We haven't seen her in a while. I don't know. She has a lot of potential. From what I've seen of her, she's good. And I'm like, why is she teaming with Jesse Camilla against Carter and Catanzaro? Like that just seems bizarre to me. Um, but she kind of showed, you know, heel tendencies afterwards, didn't shake her hand. So I, I, th- I think it's cool. I'm actually a little interested to see where it goes. Um, they haven't really given you much of a reason to care about her right now. But hey, you know what? It's better than nothing. So I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic that uh, they might have some plans for her moving forward. But I guess time will tell. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I think she's the women's division for NXT is really uh, top heavy. I, I think they have Knox, who's great, Shotzi Blackheart's great, Rhea Ripley, uh, Tegan, Dakota. Um, I might have said Tegan twice, but Dakota. Shirai, <laughs> too, obviously. Shirai, obviously. Candice. So I think they're pretty top-heavy. They do need to work on some new faces in the division. I mean, Aaliyah. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> trying to think the other girl's name. Who else was who she was with? Uh, she was with the Robert Stone brand for like a hot second, so I can't think of her name. Not Mercedes. I mean, you might be thinking of, and I'm a big fan of hers because I've known her for, I, even well before she even started wrestling, but Indy Hartwell I'm a fan of as well. She like she's 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 all right, but she's like kind of on that same level with Xylee. Like they're all like that lower echelon of the women's division. Her, Caden Carter, who I think has some potential. Same with Casey Ganzer. I think they're all on that kind of same level right now. And I I think a heel, they don't really have a ton of heels. Oh, uh, Mia too. Of, we forgot about Mia, but she's probably getting called yeah. up. Um, so they don't really have a ton of heels on NXT for the women. They kind of have a few tweeners and a lot of baby faces. So. Um, definitely, I think pushing her as a heel could, uh, give a nice facelift to her character and make her, maybe push her up the card a little bit with a new heel turn. Yeah, a lot of the women you mentioned, though, I feel like the issue is that they've been there for a while. Indy Hartwell just got there, so I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, or WWE, NXT, whatever, and pushing her just because she just got there. But everyone else, Zia Lee, I think was in the fucking first ever Women's Rumble. I don't know about the first, not the first, I'm sorry, she was in the second one in 2019. That was almost two years ago, dude. So she's been here for a while. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, she's not going to get called up in a year. She needs more, you know, reps and practice and whatever and development. That's the point of NXT. But you should be doing more with her. I think she lost to Shayna at one point, and that was, like, it for her on the show. Um, Jessica Mia has been there for literally, like, three and a half years. She was in the first million classic. They got to do more with her or just cut. You, you got you to gotta shit or get off the pot is as a... I saw that phrase used somewhere, and I it's so fucking, like, it's disgusting, but it's also very accurate. Like, you gotta do something with these people, or just fucking cut bait. I'm not saying I want to see any of these women fired, but just to keep them around, to have them around, does no one any good. So, you know, that's kind of the same thing of what they did with, um, what's her name? That's now an AEW. Tanara Conchi, I don't think she was there long enough. Um, I think she could have been there a little. I mean, then again, I guess she was there for three years, and they released her. She didn't quit. Although I think she tried to at one point. That's besides the point. Um, but they got to start doing more with more of these women. Otherwise, they'll just kind of be fodder for the rest of the division forever. But when you call up those other women, then they'll be fucked. So I agree. They got to start showcasing more women. Um, not really much else to the rest of the episode. Maverick and Killing Dane kind of teasing an alliance, which is interesting. Uh, Priest and Timothy Thatcher, great match to retain the NXT North American Championship. Uh, Priest beat Thatcher, that is, to retain the title. Great match. Um, Finn Balor having an Eliminator, Gauntlet Eliminator, I think it's called, the next week to determine his number one contender to the NXT Championship at TakeOver. No word on who's going to be a part of it, but off the top of your head, is there any one name that comes to mind, Mr. Marceau, that should win the whole thing to uh, become the next number one contender? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it, I would say Ciampa, but if he's facing Jake Alice, then I, I, I would assume he's not. In it. Exactly. That's what I was exactly what I was thinking too. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe like a Kyle Riley wins. I don't know. I, I just I'm trying to think who else could win. Maybe Johnny. I don't know. No one really on the top of my head really jumps out at me. Really. I mean, I think this is maybe they could have a surprise or a surprise winner that can they can start getting over in the singles. And like imagine if Kyle Riley ran the gauntlet and won. That'd be like a big deal. So uh, I'm not sure, but. I'm interested to see what happens. I, I like I said, I, I would I would put my money on Champa, but if he's facing Jake Atlas early on in the show, I just I don't know, it wouldn't make sense for him to wrestle again, but we'll see. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's possible, but I think this would be a great opportunity, like you just said, to showcase someone new. I feel like this takeover is kind of a filler takeover just because we just had one a month ago. And this one was just announced yesterday. And it's coming up in like two weeks. So it's not supposed to be this special show. There's not even a name yet as far as I know. So it's not going to be out under the greatest takeover ever. A lot of these matches will be thrown together at the last minute, which if it, if it delivers, nah, I don't really care. If it doesn't, then it's just rushed and they're doing it for no reason. Um, they should have announced it well before now, but whatever. So I think this would be a great, like, you know what, dude? I think of this as like takeover respect, which was almost exactly five years ago. And yeah, they use that primarily to focus on the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. But this one they could use to focus on some new guys, like Kushida facing Dream, get Kushida over, um, you know, people like that. Rhea and Shirai isn't really getting anyone new over, but for the NXT Championship, maybe Kyle O'Reilly wins it, like you said. I could see a Bronson Reed winning and taking and taking Balor to the limit at TakeOver. I could see absolutely something like that happening. So I'm interested to see what they do. There's a lot of options. There's also not a lot of options. Like, I don't want to see Cole go for it again. We just saw that, obviously, last week. Johnny would be a safe choice. I would like to see that. Him and Balor have worked well together before. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But either way, I think Balor walks out of that TakeOver still champion. So we'll close out the show here with some thoughts on Dynamite, which, again, I thought overall was just a great show. And uh, we won't go over everything in depth, just kind of the major points. FDR beat Jurassic Express and what I thought was a great opener. Probably one of the better matches, if not, I don't know if it was the best, but um, definitely one of the best matches I've seen FDR in since they've, came to, since they've come to AEW. And they've had their fair share of matches, but this definitely was one of the better ones. I, would, I don't know if I would put this over the Page and Omega match, but I felt like that was just way too long. And this was the perfect length. Jurassic Express looked good. If they won, they got a title shot. They lost. Um, but yeah, I thought this was just a great way to kick off the show. No, I thought this was a great match. I think that, I think you could tell right away. I feel like FTR was the one that like called the match. It felt like a very FTR old school match. It felt like like a revival NXT match. Yeah, exactly. It felt like, like the revival from NXT that like called the match. They called the spots. It felt like a very old school wrestling match. Um, wasn't too many flip floppy flops. So they weren't doing any too many tricks. So gotta love that. Um, but no, I thought it was a good match. I love Jungle Boy. I think he has a ton of potential on his own. Luchasaurus, not his biggest fan. I, I just, I feel like he's very clunky and he just feels very robotic on his comebacks with his weird kicks. Um, but I, I'm glad FTR won here. I, I kind of wish Tully did a little bit more. He's kind of a he's not he's a manager, but he's just kind of there. I mean, he doesn't really get involved at all. He just kind of stands there. I, I kind of wish he got more involved in the act, like maybe like trip someone up or kind of do more heelish manager things. Um, but besides that, FTR, they're great. Um, not sure exactly who faces them next. I think they have a ton of tag teams, but they really don't have like a concrete number one contender right now. So we'll see. But I, I, I really like FTR. I thought that was probably one of my favorite tag team matches they've had so far, just because it was more of a mat based wrestling classic. They, kind of play up the more heel baby face mentality, which they don't normally do in, in uh, AEW. They cut the guy off, led to a big comeback. Kind of your prototypical old-school tag team wrestling match. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, as did I. I thought the same thing, kind of what you just said about an old-school match, not a lot of flippity doodahs and shit. Can be this, the same can be said for the next match, um, Adam Page and Frankie Kazarian. Now, obviously, the outcome was never in doubt. 
This was more about what they were doing with Paige and Omega, who sat in on commentary. It feels like a breakup, which, I mean, like, a legitimate, like, romantic breakup, which is kind of funny. With Paige, like, trying to impress Omega, then Omega's like, you know, he's nice to Paige, but he really wants to just move on, whereas Paige wants to give it another shot. I really like what they're going with with these two, what they're going for. Um, I would assume they're building to a tag title rematch with FTR or another match with the Bucks, uh, which would be interesting. I didn't really care what the Bucks did on the show, attacking the referees. Um, I completely agree with you with what you've said in the past. Them trying to act all tough and shit just doesn't really work for me. But what they're doing with Omega and Paige, though, I think has been great. This was a good match. We don't really Kazarian, we don't really see Kazarian on his own all that often, but I thought he was great here, too. And I'm very interested to see what they're doing with Paige and Omega next. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought this was a good match, good just classic wrestling match between Kazarian and uh, Hangman. Um I was going to say, we didn't even get to the Bucks. Them being all mad and super kicking the referee and throwing the money. <laughs> on, like, can you stop? Oh, my God. Like, you're not, like, tough. It's just, like, it's like fake tough guys, so it's just so annoying. Um, so I really could care less what the hell they're doing. Um, but, no, I think Omega and Paige, I think, obviously, like I said, it's kind of more of a breakup than, than kind of your standard wrestling kind of split. But, uh We'll see what happens. I think, obviously, they'll get another tag team title match. Then they'll probably do a split from there, like an actual, like either a turn or a split. But, uh, no, I like what they're doing so far. Love Hangman. So, anything that he's in, I'm usually all for. We were really worried last week, the week before, in the last couple of months, that they were headed for an MJF Wardlow turn betrayal. And they might still be headed for that, because why else would they plant the seeds? But I'm really hoping it was just, you know, to tease it but not deliver on it. It was just um, a red herring. Because this week, there were no tension, not not a lot of tension between the two. But instead, MJF brought up how he should join a wolf pack. Not the wolf pack, obviously. That would be, uh, he's about 20 years too late on that. Although they had a great theme song. He's looking for a new group in AEW. I thought, I, I took that to mean he was going to be forming a group. Which, I don't really need to see that just because we have a million factions already in AEW. Um, but what were your thoughts on this? Obviously, this is a step up from him breaking away from Wardlow, which would obviously be the wrong the wrong call at this point in both of our opinions. But if he is to join a faction, which I'm not in love with the idea, but it's better than him splitting away from Wardlow, where does he fit best? Is it with Eddie Kingston? Is it with the fucking Inner Circle? Is it with the Four Horsemen group that's been rumored? Where do you see MJF fitting in, RJ? Um, I think it would make the most sense would be him with, with FTR and... And totally. I mean, anyone else, I feel like you'd be, feel very out of place. I love Eddie Kingston, but that group's kind of just a mishmash of random people. I think that should just be Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Bros. Um, I don't think he'd fit in with Taz, Cage, and... Um, no, actually, maybe. I mean, eh, I don't know. They're just two singles guys, so I don't know. MGF, I think he'd be great with Taz. I've really enjoyed Taz a lot on, on AEW. Don't think he, him and Jake, nah, it's kind of weird. I don't like that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say if they're going to put him with any form, already formed group, I'd put him with Tully and FTR. I think that makes the most sense. If he makes his own group, I just, I just don't, I don't know who you put in it. I don't know if I really care. I don't know. I just. I don't know, maybe he joins Tully and FTR and he just beats the shit out of Sean Spears and we never see him again. And then <laughs> I just don't know. Like, what? Because Sean Spears technically is aligned with Tully, but they're never on TV. So maybe that's what you do. You just, they just, MGF beats the shit out of Sean Spears and they just kick him out of the group. And MGF's kind of like the main focus. But 
besides that, I don't know who else you'd really put him with. Not like I hope the guy, hey, like hope the guy, not with Vicky and Nyla Rose. Holy shit! <laughs> who? They're not even in the show. What are you? Who are you talking about? Actually, no, I mean, what do you mean they're on the show? Now that you bring it up, they were. I know I said they're not on the show, so I don't know who you're talking about. But they were on the show like a week or two ago. But now that you mentioned that, I completely forgot. They were actually, it's seemingly setting up Nyla Rose to be the next number one contender. But now they moved in a completely different direction, I would assume, with Sheeta and Rosa. So I completely forgot about, they moved, they took the E off the Rose and they put an A in there instead. And now we got Thunder Rosa, which is a much better option. That first match they had it all out was great. Um, we'll bring that up real quick. It looks like they're setting up a rematch between those two. They're having a tag team match next week against Ivelisse and Diamante. They're likely setting up another match, this time, for the NWA World Women's Championship. Now, I think what they might be doing here is doing that. Rosa wins. Do you think the end game here is a unification match? And uh, would you want to see it? Where, where do they really go with these two going forward? Because they're, like, obviously the two pillars of this division, and one of them, as we know right now, isn't officially signed by, uh, by uh, AEW. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, I thought they basically were setting up Nyla to be the number one contender. Now they're kind of moving away from that, it seems like, with Thunder and uh, Cheetah teaming up together. So we'll see. I, I, I guess you could do unification on the line. I, I'm assuming NWA might not be coming back due to the whole pandemic. So um, it's a good idea. I just think it neglects the rest of the division that's already hurting. Um, just doing it two more times and the rest of the division really has nothing going on besides, like, and uh, Sarah J and fucking Brandy, like no one cares. But we're getting um, next week, you can't wait. Uh, can't wait for Sarah J and Brandy. Hopefully, we get some uh, Abaddon on the show too, so Jim Cornette can rip her apart. Oh God, I just <laughs> I, I I like Sheeta and Rosa, but the rest and I like Britt Baker as well. The rest of the division leaves a lot to lot to uh, be desired. Uh, yeah, I like Ty Conti. I think she still needs a lot of work though, so don't really see her going anywhere. Same with Sarah J. So. We'll see what happens. Less Brandy, though. Less Brandy, please. Can't wait for Brandy and Santa. Uh, God, you know, now you have me saying Sarah J. Brandy Rhodes and Anna J on next week's Dynamite. Um, not Dynamite. It's like a one-hour special next Tuesday, um, I believe. At 10 p.m. after like the NBA coverage or whatever. Um, Matt Seidel and Sean Spears are going to have a match. Brandy Rhodes and, and Anna J. Jericho's going to be in the show. So uh, I, I think they taped that just in case for this week in case the show aired on Thursday, but they didn't need it. So that's why they're airing it next week. Um, nonetheless, though, we'll move ahead here to... We'll just skip over the alley, butcher blade bullshit. Who fucking cares? Who who could possibly give a shit? Um, but I know we got, we got a new signing, and you're super pumped about this. You were saying future AEW world champion. You were singing this guy's praises up and down. Will Hobbs is officially all elite. And not only that, he's going to be teaming with the AEW world champion himself maybe testing the waters for a future title run, um, John Moxley, as well as Darby Allen, when they take on Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and the number one contender to the title right now, Lance Archer, in a six-man tag team match next week. Now, obviously, Archer and Brian Cage have issues, but they're teaming because if Archer beats Moxley next month, then Cage gets the first shot. So they made sense out of that, which I like. But yeah, no, I thought this was a very good segment. In all seriousness, though, People are like, oh, Will Hobbs, oh my God, the guy's amazing. We've barely seen much of him. He's looked impressive to me on AEW Dark. Um, I like the fact that they signed him, and I don't want to hear this bullshit, oh, he wasn't signed two months ago, so that's why they had him lose to Orange Cassidy in 10 seconds. The guy's huge. He's a monster of a man. He's a big guy. They have a lot of big guys. He might be able to do well. He might get lost in the shuffle. We have no idea. We also have nothing 
to go off of with the guy. We know n- fucking nothing about him. And he's also not that amazing in the ring to justify this being the greatest signing of 2020. I'm very excited that they signed him. I am very happy for the guy. I need to see more from him. The guy might be a terrible talker. He might not have a character. Right now, he's a decent big guy. That's all he is. That has some potential. And I think he can go far if utilized the right way. I think this is a good way to use him from night one. Establishing him as someone to watch for. Teaming him with the world champion. Why the fuck Moxley would want to take someone who has like a 2-10 and record... Um, into this big main event match next week. I have no idea. That makes no sense to me. I said to you before the show, maybe because, you know, he's a big guy and the other two are big guys, Cage and Archer, I guess. But uh, what were your thoughts on the whole segment, RJ? I thought it was well done, but I definitely have my, you know, gripes with it. No, I thought it was a well done segment. Um, I like Starks and Cage and, and Taz. Not a huge Archer fan. I think they just dropped the ball with them a lot, so I just don't give a shit. Just him, like, bringing random jobbers out to beat them up. Like, who cares? Like, oh, he's, he's a badass. He beat up another loser. Like, it does nothing for me. So, that, it just really hasn't done much for me. Um, I just, I, like, understand, like you said, like, guy's big. Like, he's got a good look. But, I, I mean, I don't watch Dark a lot. But anytime I have watched, the guy's lost. So, it's like, oh, now that he's signed, they're going to push him. Oh, my God, he's the greatest thing ever. Like, he was losing to Orange Cassidy and other, like, random people the last two months. And all of a sudden, now that he's signed, like... Oh my God, he's we're gonna push him to the moon now. It's like I can't get over the fact that he got lost at Orange Cassidy in five seconds. I mean, I, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't get past that. That's like saying like Braun Strowman lost to Santino. They sign him, and I'm like, Oh my God, he's the greatest thing ever. Like I'd be like, Why the hell is this this guy in the like? Why? Like why? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the part that just doesn't make a lot of sense because. It's not like it happened a couple of years ago, a year ago. Dude, this was literally two months ago. And they want to tell you that Dark matters. If it matters, then why the fuck should I take this guy seriously that just lost the Orange Cassidy two months ago in under 10 seconds? That makes no sense. But I think he's a good signing. We'll see where he goes. Speaking of Orange Cassidy, what's your prediction for next week? Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy for the AEW TNT title. Oh, Orange is going to win easily. You think he's going to win in 10 seconds? Because he beat, hey, listen, he beat Will Hobbs. In 10 seconds. And Brody Lee's a big guy, too. I think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I think Brody will win, but there'll be some shenanigans, and it won't be as one-sided as him versus Cody, which is going to be stupid. I just, I don't understand that. It's not like Cody had an excuse as to why he got beat so quickly. I love the angle. But if you're going to do that shit, then why the fuck wouldn't he kill Orange Cassidy? Like, Dustin Rhodes, like, listen, I understood that. Like, he Dustin Rhodes gave him a good effort. Dustin Rhodes... I don't want to say it's more credibility than Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, though, by all accounts, is a fucking joke. And, like, he's a literal joke, and he's a funny guy. He beat Jericho twice. One of them via shenanigans, which in a shitty match. And the other one in a fucking gimmick match by pushing him into a pool of mimosa. That's what it was. So, I don't take him seriously at this point. Um, I think the guy is very good. I guess it makes sense for him to be getting a title match if he beat Jericho twice, but... I don't know. I'm very skeptical. But we'll get to one final thing from Dynamite here before we uh, close it out. In what is being billed the greatest main event in Dynamite history from Tony Khan himself, Big Money Mark, uh, Best Friends versus Santana and Ortiz in a parking lot brawl. Loved the match. I thought it was a very good match. Some great spots. Not reckless like Hardy and Guevara. You know, some of it was pretty crazy. But not it, none of the spots had me like, oh, that was really stupid. Like, they shouldn't have done that. Uh, they probably really beat the fuck out of each other here, but... No spots that made me cringe. I thought it was a great match, though. I, I don't know if I would go so far as to call it the greatest parking lot brawl I've ever seen. 
The issue is that they haven't done a lot of them in wrestling in the last couple of years. I remember Eddie and Cena had one a long time ago, maybe in 03 or 04. I know Cena actually had another one with JBL back in, I want to say, 2008. Other than that, I don't remember a whole bunch. But for what this was, though, I thought it was great. Would you say, though, RJ, that it was the greatest parking lot brawl main event, amazing breakout performance that you've ever seen from best friends in Santana and Ortiz? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go too far. I'm not going to take my pants off and cover myself in oil. Um, <laughs> what are you, no, Michael Nakazawa? I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a good match. I mean, both teams are kind of just there. I mean, I, the feud has not really been my cup of tea. Like, we trashed your mom's minivan and threw your clothes in bleach. So, like, let's fight. So, not the greatest setup. I thought it was a good match. Um, I kind of figured that best friends are going to win. I mean, it's just kind of the way that they're telling the story. They had to get their, they're going to get the comeuppance on proud and powerful. But, um, no, that was a good match. I, I just, I, I don't see the whole praise. I see people online saying, Oh my God, these guys, the greatest match of all time. They're both now over. They're big stars now. Like how they've been losing, especially Paranormal powerful. Like, yeah, they haven't really won a lot, but at least they haven't like gone for the titles multiple times and lost. The best friends have t- contended for the titles handful of times and lost every time so now that they beat proud and powerful another like mid-car tag team also now they're going to be over and oh my god now they're going to be the biggest thing ever like i just don't see that happening i thought it was a good match but i just don't really like chuck i think chuck taylor's terrible i don't like him at all <laughs> i love trent i think trent's great i think on his own he could be good as well um i think he's got a good look he's good in the ring i just i don't like chuck at all i think he's terrible i think the same thing with ortiz i think he's very goofy and weird just I know. I love Santana, though. I think Santana's got a good look. He's a good wrestler. He's serious. I think Ortiz is just a big goofball. So, that was a good match. But I think their tag team partners hold them down. At least the way that they're depicted on it. I think LAX was great on TNA. I thought they were great together, but <laughs> I think Chuck brings Trent down a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I like I like both teams a lot. I've never seen a serious side from Chuck Taylor. I'm a fan of his. I'm not, I think Trent's the better of the two. Um, I have no hate towards Chuck. But I agree with the LAX stuff, though, and Santana and Ortiz. They were really serious in TNA. They were entertaining, but Ortiz has been a fucking goof in AEW. And they showed a serious side of them here. They just got to do it more consistently. Like, when he was slipping all around the ring in the fucking orange juice a month or two ago, I'm like, come on, dude. Like, it was funny, maybe the first time he slipped, he tried to recreate the Austin beer truck, and it just wasn't funny. I just thought it was, it kind of fell flat. Um, Yeah, so I, I thought this was a great main event, though. We literally say it on every episode, it's all about the aftermath. The best friends are in a pretty good spot in the company. Um, they've been pretty prominently featured since day one. They won on that first double or nothing pay-per-view. They've gotten their fair share of title shots. They've come close to becoming champions. They've had great matches. They've been on pay-per-view. Santana and Ortiz are the ones that I worry for. I'm not saying they should have won here. It made more sense for best friends to win, uh, just given the story. Santana and Ortiz, though, have gotten zero title shots. They've had some very good matches with the Young Bucks, now with best friends, among other teams. I just, you know, we said this last week with Jericho and Hager, I'll say it again one more time. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me why you would put Jericho and Jericho and Hager in the tag team division if you already have another tag team in that, in the tag team division, in that group. 
And and it's not like it's the NWO and they have like 50 members. It's literally five guys, and four of those guys are in the tag team division now. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We saw Orange Cassidy interfere here. I did not like that. That was my only gripe with this thing. I thought that was kind of stupid. I know they attacked him last week, but I don't know. I wasn't just... I thought that was stupid. I wasn't a fan, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, but that being said, though, I said this to you before we went live here on the show, RJ, that this has probably got to be leading to an all-inner um, circle split, right? I mean, it's got to. They haven't done anything in months. They haven't appeared together in a while. Sammy Guevara's been off the show. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like they would all be better off doing their own thing at this point. I know they're kind of already doing that, but just make it official. For having them to be together for the sake of being a group at this point is just a complete waste. No, I completely agree. I Maybe. I mean, I like the, like the face paint last night. It was kind of a different vibe for them. Maybe... I would say, I would hope that they would have won the match last night, but maybe like before last night's match, Jericho goes up to him like, you guys are like, you guys are bringing us down, you guys are a fucking joke, yada, 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 like you guys got to be more serious. And if they got like, a, I hope, maybe they go down that line, like they lost again last night, maybe next week on AEW or down the line, someone that he can address them, like, I brought you guys in here, like, I thought you guys were badasses, you guys have been a fucking joke, you guys lose all the time, yada, yada, yada. and they can come out with like a more serious a more serious, like, vibe and start, like, fucking killing people. I think that would be great be more serious. I think Santana can be very serious, but Ortiz is so damn goofy, and it just it just hurts the hurts the team for me. I think if they came with a more serious serious demeanor, it would go a long way. They're rebuilding yeah. them. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. Hopefully we see more of that serious side from them moving forward. Um, but that was Dynamite in a nutshell. I thought it was a great show, NXT great show. Um, you thoroughly enjoyed both as well, Mr. Marceau? Yeah, I, I, both, both shows gets a thumbs up from me. I agree, I agree. Raw still needs some work, not a terrible show. So overall, a good week in wrestling. And I'm looking forward to next week as we break down again Dynamite, NXT, Raw. We should be back in a normal schedule here. Um, this was the first time that we had both shows on a Wednesday night in like a, five weeks, about a month or so. So uh, I don't like the whole watching both. I don't watch them simultaneously unless I have to. I usually um, watch one and then the other. I watched NXT first this week. I'll probably watch Dynamite first next week. But yeah, we'll be breaking down both shows moving forward here on the show um, in the next couple weeks, months, whatever. We do have the Clash of Champions pay-per-view next Sunday. So we'll have predictions for that next week here on the show. Uh, Final thing, I just saw this on Twitter a minute ago. Announced for Friday SmackDown, RJ. We got ourselves a Samoan street fight. Roman and Jay versus King Sheamus and Corbin. I know you're... Excited out of your mind for this. Who you got going over in that Samoan Street tag team match? Oh, it's got to be the the, the Noy family. I mean, got to go with Jay and Roman. Um, hopefully, Alpha and Fatu don't come. Could be <laughs> if they lose. Yeah, if they lose, riot, riot if they lose. So <laughs> hopefully, they win there. I don't want to see a riot at the Thunderdome. Don't want Rikishi coming out. Don't want the whole family to be there. So definitely going with the with the Roman and Jay. People can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. We'll be back next week, as I mentioned, with a Raw Review, NXT, Dynamite Thoughts, Clash of Champions predictions, and anything else going on in the world of wrestling. People can find you, Mr. Marceau, on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau and myself at WrestleRant. Until next time, Mr. Marcel, I'll catch your ass next week. Have a great one. Thanks, as always, for joining me. And uh, be sure to, um, I don't know, get that Will Hobbs for AEW World Champion petition going. I will. Right after I get my uh, my Clash Champions Gold Rush t-shirt. <laughs>
Love it, Mr. Marceau. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. Later.